Hello, I'm attorney Barry Boykin. I'm attorney Kevin Johnson. I'm a mental health professional, Dr. Pascal Piron. Welcome to part two of episode 30, Dynamite Divorce and Other Matters. We are continuing our discussion of the role that a mental health professional plays in the family law world in these cases involving custody and children. Before we go further, this podcast is no substitute for the specific legal advice you will get by consulting one-on-one with a licensed attorney in your state or country. We hope that before taking any action that might change your life or your financial situation and before making decisions that might significantly affect your children and the people around you, you do find and meet with a licensed attorney. Now, now on, with, on the with the show. Okay, so if somebody's coming to you, they're a parent. Now, they're, mm-hmm. as I said, they're in your waiting room, heart is thumping. Mm-hmm. Their friends have told them what to say. They've read, maybe they even read a website, how to talk mm-hmm. to a psychologist. Sure. They're ready. They're ready. Yeah. So what do you look for, the, the weaknesses and strengths of a parent? When you're evaluating, what should people bring in to you that would help them well, let's say win their custody case. What are you looking for? Well, there's no winning or losing when you're at the psychologist's <laughs> office. Get it? No, Stop it no, out no. of your lawyer mind. Okay. What What do you look? Uh, what do you look for? Just, do you look for well, whether they uh, tap their foot uh, <laughs> obsessively or whether they're they're uh, you know dressed appropriately? What are you looking for? These parents sure. to be good. You don't know them as parents. You know them as this person in your office, and they've got right. you've got to say this person seems okay. What does yes. okay mean to you? Well, okay means a person that is well-rounded, that can, you know, also say something good about the other parent, right? Ah, yeah, big one, right? So Mm -hmm. it's not, so what we generally do is is put the parents at ease, right? Hey, you know, just relax, you know, this is going to take, we'll we'll be seeing each other over the course of a month, right? Because we do that, we space out the timing so that we can see people, you know, if they are really faking, I am you know, a perfect person, well, can they do that two or three or four or six times, right? We'll see some differential. We're measuring, but we're measuring what we do that with kindness and with empathy. It's not an easy thing for parents to have to go to court and and wonder if they'll see their children and wonder how, how much parenting time they'll get and whether it'll be fair, whether the system will be fair towards them. So, and there's a lot going on for them, a lot of stress in their divorce, you know, in right. other areas, not only the children, but financial well, are you, issues. Yeah. Right. Well, sorry, are you looking for them to say, here's what I fix for breakfast, here's my daily routine, I'm all over this mm-hmm. pick up and drop off from school stuff? I mean, where's the strength? Where's the strength of a parent for you? Uh, in, colla- in collaboration with the other parent. So that certainly gets gets looked at too. Like if they come in and they say, you know what, Susie is the worst parent. So let's say that it's John and we're talking about a, a heterosexual couple, right? So John and Susie and John comes in and says, Susie's the worst. I mean, she should not have access to my kid. Susie was, you know, had never worked. And then just like, it's all negative about the other parent. So that's, that gets like, okay, we're recording that, right? And then Susie comes in and Susie says, yeah, you know what? John is not a bad guy. We just weren't meant for each other, but he's a good dad. Okay. So we're like, "Mm, okay. So at least Susie has the ability to step outside of herself and say, you know, the child needs access to John too. So we're kind of seeing like how do parents, we look at them individually. What, what are some of their personality traits? Are they willing to be open and forthcoming? Then we look at their collaboration between the two. You know, what do they think of each other? That's certainly also, you know, one of the tests that we used uh, in the practice where I worked. And then we kind of get some collaterals from other people like, okay, what do other people think? 
course, it's rare when we get a collateral of a person that says, no, please don't give them the child because it's, <laughs> it's their own, <laughs> it's their so what's own a, referral. What's right? a collateral? Like friends, neighbors, yes, people that... Yeah, yeah, teachers, whatever, right? But it's it's the list of the own person. So they generally will find references, so to speak, of, you know, that will give them a good review, right, as a parent. But, you know, and, and we we form an overall picture. It's not just one thing. It's all these different okay, pieces of doctor. the puzzle. Doctor, that, that sounds term. so good. It's best yes. interest of the child. We form an overall picture. But yeah. now, I, now I have a slightly different question, <laughs> just to jump in here in a bit. Yeah. And that is that uh, <laughs> it, it seems to me in, in my experience, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that occasionally there's a parent who finds it very uncomfortable to come to the session. And they're looking at their watch and they're saying, I'm, I'm really only here because the judge ordered me to be here, but I don't want to be here. Mm -hmm. And then you have the other parent who's eager to be there and says, yes, I'd like to tell you all about my life and all about my lovely children. And, and so what do you, do you experience that in your, in your sessions where you have one parent who really doesn't want to be there and the other parent who's kind of eager to be there on the other hand? Oh, sure. You know, the resistance, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, of course. Well, does that mean they're therefore bad parents? No, but it's just the resistance to being in the court system. You know, not every parent has had a good experience going through the court system, (laughs) right? It can be, no, I mean, no slam on, you know, I respect your profession very much or both of you, but it's sometimes it has proven to be a very long drawn out process uh, that is sometimes, yeah, I mean, and there's not only you, the attorney, there's the GAL as well that comes in right that represents the children so there's all these voices that decide whether or not you can see your child whether or not you can say whether your child should go to you know one school or the other right Th- these decisions you know and in, the, in some cases people then get a parenting coordinator after their divorce and they went through the court system that, so they're never free to parent completely on their own there's always someone and there's a, a huge resistance to that they feel maybe it's unfair it was unnecessary so if there's resistance in one parent, it's often that maybe, you know, the other parent was the initiator of saying, hey, we should get so-and-so psychologically evaluated, right? And often cases, you know, people will go along with it, but still be resistant to the process. And it's part of the, the experience, I think, for them, you know? Uh, so your advice for people whose hearts are thumping and they're in your waiting room, and they're about to be evaluated, maybe their first session. Is there anything that they should bring with them? Would you like to see any papers in their hand or pictures as to have brought in to help, again, help them win their custody case? <laughs> or is there something <laughs> that would, so you would know in, in terms of the psych doctor of psychology so that they would be looked on more favorably? Is there something oh. you'd like them to bring to the sessions with you? Mm. Well, <laughs> well, what we'll generally do, not, not initially, unless we've requested it, people do share voluntarily. And we kind of let that happen, too, in, in certain instances to see what they what are they going to bring. So we have parents that come in and it's like a 20 inch binder with the proof, every email, every text, you know, uh, <laughs> recordings. Um, and it's like, oh, goodness. Right. So we have to review all that and look at it and definitely take it into consideration. Right. Because they're trying to discredit the other parents. Right. They're often coming from that angle. What can I do to discredit the other parents? And I think they'd be better served by just showing how they are a good parent, right? Why, why they deserve to just have equal time or, you know, what their thoughts are with regards to that rather than coming into discredit. But it happens all the time. 
Oh, what do you think sorry. of somebody who comes in with a, a big binder and is really on a mission to discredit the other parent? Mm-hmm. That's really why they're there. What do you yeah. think of that? Well, they're, they're ready to fight, right? They're fighting. And is in that, certain, do, do it, they get a good evaluation from you then? I mean, is that... Well, Kevin, it just takes <laughs> good, bad, good, bad. We don't think that way. We think on a continuum. Right? Oh, well, we'll take Everything's your 30... Yes. Spectrum. It's no, 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 no. The, here's what we get. The, the 604, the 60410 report, the lawyers get it. It's 32 pages long. We just page to the end. I know. And we the read. Summary. The summary. The recommendation is that father have majority parenting time and mother have occasional, you know, weekend parenting time as her mental condition warrants or something like mm-hmm. that. You know, sure. we're just page, we're just paging to the end. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying, and that's what people are aiming for on the last page goes their way. Mm-hmm. All your work, I'm sorry to come down to that last summary page, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And yeah. so if they're going to get a good summary page that gives them the children most of the time or lets them move to Utah as they want to do or whatever it is they're going to get more control, you're saying don't come in with a binder of all the dirt on their ex or soon well, to be ex. Right? I, I think <laughs> if it's if it's useful that we know certain uh, personality traits, right? So in certain cases, it definitely, um, so I've seen a couple of, of different approaches. So I've seen parents bring in binders of information to actually prove that they were a good parent. I did this for my child. I was the one that looked for care for my child. I, you know, I have all these, you know, forms. I went to this counselor, that counselor, just, I, I know my child needed help, but the other parent was against me and look, look at my binder. Right. Okay. But then there's a parent that comes in and say, look at how bad of a parent the other person is. And then we look at that and, you know, so maybe there are some personality traits, right? So maybe the other parent is somewhat narcissistic, right? Or maybe somewhat uh, emotionally unstable, but there's a lot of parents that have kids that don't go through the court system that are emotionally unstable, right? <laughs> they just they just yeah. don't they just don't go through the court system. I mean, so so it's really about just being able to say, I think I would like to have the majority decision making or the majority visits. I'm not saying the other parent is all bad, but I think that I'm the more, you know, maybe the more stable of people. And if there, if there's really something tangible, then of course we want to see that, right? If we have a parent that maybe sleeps with a knife under their pillow and they're imagining seeing uh, somebody standing in the corner of the room, we probably need to know that because that could signify uh, psychological challenges, right? And a danger mm-hmm. to the child, right? But if it's like, okay, mom was late picking up the child, you know, five times in a row because they were coming from work and they were in traffic, right? So, oh, is that being an irresponsible parent? You know, is that just, well, they have to work, so so, but people will try to use anything, anything, any, any, any piece of proof to discredit the other parent. And in that case, it may not always work in their favor because we look at that and go like, wow, clearly there's a motivation here, right? Is there really something that they can bring? We, we often look at it. Children of five years old have very different needs than children that are 15 years old. And I, I worked on a case where we had written a summary that was read and the judge went against the recommendations decided that he wanted to rule a certain way because he had also spoken to the child. And so it's not a foolproof, right? It, ultimately, it's still, 
in the hands of, of the court. But when people come in to interact with their children in the office, and we kind of want to see how is the child going to sit on the lap of the mom and dad when you have a five-year-old? Are they distant? Are they close? Are the, is the parent patient with the child? Is the parent getting irritated? You know, we kind of look at that. You know, but it's like okay. yelling at the child in the waiting room, like yeah. put down that magazine. Or yeah, something. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or it's just like, uh, or they get frustrated when they're like, oh, let's play with this because they want to make a good impression, and the child goes, I don't want to play with that, and then the parent gets like, ah, oh, you see, they're like breathing deeply to try to stay calm where we i'm like you would not stay calm like this in your own home right because that's just you know it it demands a lot but we look are they bringing toys right they're coming in with their five-year-old child their six-year-old child are they bringing books are they bringing toys are they bringing something that they can interact for an hour or two hours in front of a mental health professional are they engaging the child or do they show up at the office and go like, Hey, do you have any books here? Do you have anything that I could use? Right. So that, that's sort of like also something that we pay attention to. Is there anybody, is there anyone that walked in and in a few minutes you said, Oh my gosh, bad parent. Not and walk in the office, but I did, I was part of a in-home evaluation. Mm-hmm. And we entered into the home. The sinks were all plugged. Toilet had overflowed. And they knew we were coming to evaluate. And this was for a, a two-year-old child. I think that's, yes, I think the child was two years. And then mom sh- wanted to show me, or one of the parents was showing me the uh, yard where the child would play. And I look in the yard and there's like a whole bunch of like wooden pallets stacked on top of the other with like these huge rusted nails, uh, you know, sticking out. And then there's this, you know, a swing set, right? And like I'm putting air quotes, uh, this swing set who looked like it was slanted a little bit. And she's like, you know, and she was like, you know, here is where, you know, uh, you know, little Susie would play, you know, in the yard. Maybe the sink had just overflowed, right? Things happen. Things can happen. But then we ask questions like, well, when did this happen? Uh, well, you know, we need to get somebody in here. But just like the, we look for danger, we look, uh, you know, can they keep their child safe? And, you know, I was a little uh, surprised by the backyard, of course, right? Uh, I was like, oh, okay. Because, you know, there's professionals coming that will evaluate you. So you probably would do your best to show we're being careful, right? So it's like also about insight, maturity. You know, uh, do these parents have introspection? Which which to our lay listeners, introspection means... Well, the ability to... Yeah. They're 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 aware of their own weaknesses, their own... Mm -hmm. Strengths. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, when if you come to a house or met somebody in your office and right away you go, wow, they were so good. You just realized, wow. Is there somebody that really impressed you that you remember what, what they did? I'm trying to think back. Yeah, I think uh, there's certainly, I have memory of someone I worked with that was just really, you know, age appropriate with his child, right? So he had an idea and he understood that he had an eight-year-old. And that, you know, there were going to be some acting out behaviors or some, you know, shyness of the child towards the, you know, the the evaluator and just handling it with calmness. And it's more a temperament issue, I think, too, in this case, you know, this was just a really calm individual who neither presented himself as a victim or, and he certainly could have in his case, you know, there was some infidelity and a really series of complications where they t- were trying to discredit him. But he just remained calm and collected and, and was just really um, collaborative and 
uh, you know, appropriate with his, with his child. And, you know, sometimes that's just also an issue of, of uh, I, and I think I mentioned this before, authenticity, but temperament, right? You have, then you have parents that will come in and they're maybe more strict and maybe they have rigid, more rigid boundaries. That doesn't, you know, that's also good, right? So some parents, some kids need, kids need boundaries for sure. But yeah, in that case of that one parent, I think it was just more uh, an issue of temperament as well. Just being a calm, being open to the evaluation, and just uh, being non-defensive. Now, I'd say my key takeaway from our talk today is, uh, I, I like what you have to say, Dr. Perron, about being authentic. And that kind of matches my own practice with parents. If I represent a parent, I, I don't coach them at all before mm-hmm. an evaluation. I uh, I may tell them at the very minimum, uh, be on time. Yeah. And maybe be appropriately dressed. Don't go in your shorts and t-shirt to the right. <laughs> to the interview. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I, I I kind of leave it to them if they want to bring some pictures or some emails. I, I find out about it later that they've done that, but I don't I don't coach them to do that as their attorney. They they just do what you know what they feel is important that they want to share. Uh, with the with the evaluator, so so do you get do you, do you get some senses in which uh, you feel that a person, a parent, has been coached by an attorney in any in any session, or uh, what's your experience on that? Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, we have had attorneys call the office and and try to <laughs> make a case already for their clients uh, before we've even evaluated, right? So mm-hmm. it's it's really interesting to see how we have to work really hard, I think, in the mental health field to not get pulled into <clears throat> the the dynamics. And that's yeah. what I learned when I was being trained at that one practice. This is, you know, these are well, this is one psychologist who had been doing these evaluations for a very very long time. Right? Right, 25 mm-hmm. years in the field. And that was one of the first things that uh, he said to me was, you know, don't get pulled into the dynamic and the drama. Feel, you know, stand on the outside of it. Uh, even if the attorneys call, we stay polite. Of course, they're, we're collaborating. Stay polite, listen to what they have to say, say, yes, yes, I understand, make a note, but don't don't say anything like, oh, yeah, no worries, you know, we're totally with you, right? Nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, okay, because we have, we also have standards in our profession, yeah. right? And, and we have ethical standards, and we want to make sure that we uh, protect our profession. So I think that's very important. For any psychologist or mental health professional that we remain neutral, objective, mm-hmm. you know, listen, but not necessarily absorb. But yes, we've, we've encountered that. You know, I've definitely have encountered um, some influence there, you know, mm-hmm. from, yep. from the outside when they come in. Or, or they'll just open about it. My attorney told me to bring this, right? <laughs> so it's like, oh, okay, all right, all right. Oh, that's me. Because I sometimes, oh, I, I, I sometimes, you, I, yeah. no, 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 no. I'll just have them bring a flip book, my famous flip book of pictures, a small size, a photo album of, mm-hmm. of ha- happy photos of the child. Here's my child, horseback riding, Grand Canyon, mm-hmm. birthday party. It is just something. To, yeah. It's something to talk about. It gives them something. If there's a pause in the conversation, they can talk about it, or you can, or, you know, the professional can. So that would be one thing they'd say, yeah, well, why'd you bring the album? Oh, my attorney said it'd be a good idea. I mean, that would yeah, be, yeah. they would say, but I, I'm not, I'm with Barry. I don't say much about, you know, like, make sure you mention this or make sure you mention this. Mm-hmm. I do say to people, remember now, you're not an angry, 
husband whose wife has cheated on him. You're not yeah. the angry husband. You are the kind mm-hmm. and loving father. Yes, correct. So, Kevin, in your flip books, you don't have the parent. You don't have the parent where the parents cut out the pictures of the other parents. <laughs> <laughs> you just see a blank hole, you know. Yes, there's all these group family photos where there's a black spot over the over the the wife's yeah. face or something like that. <laughs> Okay, as we come to the end of our time, I just want to wedge in one more thing. The situations where a client will end up with a recording of the other parent in a screaming tirade with the children. And it it does happen. And I mean, I'm a parent. I've yelled. Glad I wasn't recorded. And sometimes yelling is appropriate, I think, because I mean, if they've just about walked in front of a car or they left the gas on. And we've addressed this issue in a previous episode. But what do you think of a recording. If somebody brings in a recording and say, now, I'll let you know what my wife is like. Here's a recording my daughter made when she would, you know, and then you can hear the screaming, get your room cleaned up, you know, and would you be influenced by a recording like that of the other parent screaming at the child? So I think that there's also times where they're only recording when it's negative, right? So they're not going <laughs> to record when, when the parents being, you know, we get three minutes of a recording, but it, all right. So it's a whole day. You know, what happened then, right? Well, did you record it when they were having a good time and when there was no yelling and they were just talking about things? So we certainly think about that part of it. You know, I think where it would be concerning, of course, is if the parent were, you know, uh, homicidal or had like uh, suicidal ideations or anything like that, that's danger, right? Anything that is under the umbrella of danger of course that would be taken a lot more serious than somebody just yelling at someone to clean up their room uh, probably because they've already said it a hundred times you know ideally we don't yell it's not really good on the developing brain to yell and um you know there's a lot of research around that uh, you know about psychological abuse or you know emotional abuse but I think that it just depends on the case, Kevin, right? We'll, we'll listen to it. And then part of this is like, okay, why did this parent feel they need to bring that in? What, are, what is their angle with this, right? So that gets taken into consideration as well as what we hear, depending on the content, right? Yeah. But I, I've worked on, you know, cases like that, or reunification cases even, where that was brought into as you know, videos or, you know, audio that gets brought in to discredit the other parent. And that's not even, you know, that's again in the hands of the court, whether or not they allow that kind of evidence and what they do with that. Generally, if it's anything related to abuse, it gets taken really serious. Yeah. Well, uh, in the final moments, then, um, would you like to leave our listeners with any closing comments? Anything, final advice for the non-attorneys out there who are listening, who's just the thought of being in court or having to fight for their kids or divorce in general, it makes their heart flip and they're just stressed out and wanting answers. Is there anything from your perspective you'd like people to know? Well, it's not uh, more wisdom. It's more repetition. You know, when you're going through a divorce, you have dynamics that play out between you and your spouse that are separate from you and your children. So go in there and do what is best for your children, even if that means they're spending time with someone that you don't love anymore or don't or, or don't like as a person. Oftentimes, uh, we've seen that time heals the wounds, but the damage that you do to your children by trying to stand in the way of them having access to the, the other parent are long-lasting on the mental health of the children. 
So go in, just try to set, you know, compartmentalize that and go in thinking about what's best for your children in the long term. And, and well, be authentic, you know, speak to the evaluator, say, you know, I'm really nervous, I'm scared, or I don't really want to be here. Part of the, the, the evaluator's job, certainly if this is a mental health professional, they will help set you at ease and create an environment where you can, you know, be your best selves. Well, this has been very enlightening, and uh, I'm sure people will be appreciative of the time you spent. Dr. Piron, Pascal, thank you very much for being here with us. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you both. <laughs> this brings us to the end of episode 30. Thank you very much for being here uh, and for listening to us. I'm attorney Kevin Johnson. I'm attorney Barry Boykin. I'm a mental health professional, Dr. Pascal Piron. Thank you very much, and we'll see you in our next episode. <laughs>